Hi, I'm Dr. Indigo. I'm a success and mind wellness practitioner, and you're listening to the Emotional Inclusion Podcast. You are listening to Emotional Inclusion Podcast. The Emotional Inclusion Podcast. The Emotional Inclusion Podcast. The Emotional Inclusion Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Emotional Inclusion Podcast. Emotional inclusion is a call to all companies to take a stand and realize the urgent need to invest in a trained professional in their organizations to address the emotional state of their employees, and particularly those who need to be reintegrated into the workforce post trying circumstances. Over my decade and a half long career in the fashion industry and listening to hundreds of stories of people who have navigated work whilst facing the perfect storm, I realized the urgent need to advocate a safe platform in the corporate world where emotions can be heard, recognized, and dealt with for an enhanced business productivity. I invite you to tune in as I share practical wisdom and empowering conversations with influential leaders to break down archaic business stereotypes and lead the way to a better emotionally accepting corporate ecosystem. The Emotional Inclusion Podcast is here to shatter the status quo of today's business landscape and lead the way to a wholesome new mindset in the workforce. Today's guest is Dr. Indigo, a success in mental wellness practitioner delivering services in mind wellness, transformational coaching, and business and career consulting. She blends success practices of the West with wellness philosophies of the East to help people step into their greatness and live their best life. As an African-American who served in the United States Marine Corps, built a multi-million dollar HR consulting firm called Careers in Transition, Inc. Dr. Indigo comes from a family of law enforcement and lives in Asia, which are just a few boxes that give her a kaleidoscope perspective on current events. With diversity and inclusion work conducted with the Centers for Disease Control, the U.S. Army, the Environmental Protection Agency, and many more, she attests that diversity and inclusion is not the sole solution that people seem to be looking for based on her book series, Playing by the Unwritten Rules. She wrote, you truly can't solve tomorrow's problems with yesterday's solutions and antidotes. Yes, we can use tried and true medicines for what ails us today, but the strains of problems are much stronger bigger and resistant. Many problems need greater remedies than what is on the shelf. Dr. Indigo is a leading voice in her field and a relentless force in paving a success mindset in the corporate field. Having hustled through her own story of mental illness, she has also agreed to make a poignant testimony of her learnings and how they apply to the realm of emotional inclusion in the workforce. Dr. Indigo, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I'm so honored to be having this conversation with you. You and I have had many conversations around emotional inclusion and corporate wellness. And I just can't wait for us to just dive in and share our content with our listeners today. 
So let's start with your book, Dueling Dragons, A Bipolar Journey from the Darkness into the Light. It's available on Amazon and it takes the reader on a personal and professional journey from the darkness into the light. It's a poignant look at life for a businesswoman with bipolar disorder who goes into denial and which leads to a life on a roller coaster where uh, she was living a public success while living a private mess. So before asking my first question to you, Dr. Indigo, this morning, I would like to just quickly read to our listeners a quote from Dr. James Ludima, co-founder and director of the Center for Values-Driven Leadership at Benedictine University, who said, read this book. Indigo's story will change the way you think about bipolar disorder and its impact on leadership. It will make you laugh, make you cry, and give you great hope. Bipolar disorder helped Indigo build a firm that made the Inc. 500 out of the 5,000 list of the fastest growing companies in America three years in a row. But it came with a price, rage, pain, paranoia, and damaged relationships. Now in recovery, Indigo is facing one of the toughest but most rewarding challenges of her life, going public with her disorder and launching a movement to bring positive awareness and healing to people with mental health issues across the country. Dr. Indigo, in your words, you went from shame to sharing. Could you please disclose to us, based on your experience, the stigma around mental health in the workforce and why you think EI to be so relevant? Well, let me first start by saying that any diagnosis, any mental illness, is not a casserole disease. Meaning, unlike having breast cancer or a tumor, people will bring casseroles to your door. People will say, you know, I'm so sorry I heard. Here's a pie, something to, you know, help relieve what you're going through. When they see or hear that you have a mental health disorder, you get nothing. As a matter of fact, no one visits you in the hospital when you have a breakdown. You're alone very often. So first is having the understanding that you become very isolated when you do have a disorder. Now the second part is that mental health is like physical health. We all have it. It's not something that's set aside for someone who has difficulties. There's mental health, there's a spectrum, wellness to illness. And when you look at it right now in this space, you and I are mentally well. We're on this side of the spectrum. However, one of us can get off the phone, get a phone call that there was a death in our family and it was a car that there were several people. Trust me, you will move from wellness and slide down to illness. And when I say illness, it could be anything from sadness, depression, anxiety, fear. So those are parts of an illness all the way to schizophrenia, but we all move along this scale. And so what's nice is that it is mobile. You don't have to stay in anything. And the things that are considered illnesses, such as fear, 
anxiety, depression. They are and can be temporary. And they are not something that you have to live with as a lifelong disorder. Yes. And you said to me over the course of one of our conversations that companies are not brick and mortar, they are people. Why do you think then that leaders refuse to look at the emotional well-being of their employees? What are the stigmas that you see over and over again? And what profound negative repercussions have you witnessed, especially in this field where, again, mental wellness is looked upon as such a negative issue in the workforce? Well, I think there's several issues, and I'll tackle them for lack of time. One is the narrative has been narrowed. When you watch media or if you watch movies, they depict mental illness as the stark raving lunatic that's shooting up places. Let's be very clear. You don't necessarily have to have a mental illness to have an evil heart. You know, a lot of people think you have to be ill to do what people do. But sometimes people are just bad people. Then the other one is to be able to say there's something going on with one of my employees is to acknowledge that there's something going on. Now we have to do something about it. So let's just ignore it and maybe it'll either go away or they will go away. But a lot of people are afraid to deal with it. We don't have the courage to deal with things that happen in the workplace that makes us uncomfortable. The courage as well as the knowledge. We don't know what to do with it. And lastly, I think very often is it makes us look at ourselves. If I'm a leader and I can see something is happening with a couple or maybe one of my employees, I may have to step back and wonder how much did I attribute to that? Did I cause this stress? Am I making them anxious? And if so, I am part of the solution as much as I'm part of the problem. So those are three easy things that we can kind of hang our hat on. Yeah, I think this is so good, Dr. Indigo. Being treated fairly encompasses the full scope of emotions. Let me perhaps first read this quote before I ask my next question to you. And it goes like this. If my wife comes to me in obvious pain and asks, do you love me? And the answer of, I love everyone, would be truthful, but also hurtful and cruel in the moment. If a coworker comes to me upset and says, my father just died, a response of every parent's die would be truthful, but hurtful and cruel in the moment. So when a friend speaks up in a time of obvious pain and hurt and says, Black Lives Matter, a response of all lives matter is truthful, but it's hurtful and cruel in the moment. This was a quote by Doug Wilford, and I find it to be brilliant, and I know that you do too. And to that point and to this quote, I would like to ask you the following question, and that is, in the corporate realm, 
how does this quote make you feel in the context of Black Lives Matter and equality in general in corporations? So I think we have a very long way to go. And the reason why is because we've been doing diversity and inclusion training forever. I have worked with some of the largest organizations in America doing diversity and inclusion. Just for example, the U.S. Army, when someone became a general, they would go through my training to have diversity and inclusion. So when we talk about diversity and inclusion, that becomes the focus versus the emotions tied in to inclusion. We already have diversity. You and I create diversity right here. But we can put another African-American could be interviewing me, and there's diversity. So diversity is natural. It happens. We don't have to make it happen. Inclusion. You invited me to your podcast, so you included me. So that happens. If an organization invites people of color, if they invite women, any group that must feel like they need to be protected, if you invite them, they're included. However, it's how you treat them, how you deal with their emotions. So you invited me here. You included me. But if you treated me like shit, now I'm going to feel very dishonored. I'm going to feel discounted. I'm going to feel all these emotions. And let me share with you why I love your emotional intelligence. It's because the word emotions mean energy in motion. So if you treat me any type of way, whether it's good or bad, that's an energy. And that energy now is moving. So if I receive negative energy, your emotions, now I have to do something with it, which means I'm going to have energy that is negative, if you treat me negative, and it'll be in motion. So that's why you see people who are upset in the workplace not performing, not producing. And then people can't understand. I don't understand. We opened the doors to women. We gave her this promotion, but yet the way you're treating me, the way you're handling my emotions, the way you're impacting my emotions is causing me to behave in a way that I don't want to even behave in. Absolutely. And that's actually why it's emotional inclusion versus emotional intelligence because anyone's emotions are to be included, are to be welcomed and embraced for a better overall organization because we are talking about the workforce here. But we could bring it to a much broader level. But in the workforce, what you say is exactly to the point of emotional inclusion I love what you say. Intelligence, IQ, was started to really figure out if a military man should be an officer to lead people. So that was IQ, to measure your intelligence. Then we said, you know what? That doesn't mean that he really understands how to lead them. So let's have EQ, emotional intelligence. And then I started looking at understand someone's emotions, but let's talk about EI, like you're saying. I just think it's brilliant because it's not enough to know. That's what EQ is. It's knowing. But EI is 
embracing it. It's knowing it, recognizing it, and doing something about it. You're, oh my God, it's brilliant. You give me goosebumps. You always do this, Dr. Indigo, because I am so aligned with this purpose and hearing people like you who I have so much reverence for, who see the legitimacy in this movement, in this mindset, and just brings so much comfort because, as you know, when militating for a cause and one that is not necessarily one that corporations in this particular case want to hear having voices like yours stand out and showcase the importance and relevance means the world to me. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Dr. Indigo, could you share some success practices that you infuse in your transformational coaching and business career consulting as a whole? So when I talk about success practices from the West, what I do, I take what really helped me become a success and I take nuggets where I've been privy to be in closed doors meetings like the Pentagon. I've been in meetings at the Pentagon and I've been in meetings at the CIA, FBI, NASA. So without going on and on, I've been in these closed door meetings and I've heard things that people say. And some of them, I'm always amazed that they would even say some of these things. So I'm able to talk to people in such a way that, you know, this is how they actually see you. This is what they think about you. So these are things that you need to do to offset that. And that is where I come up with playing by the unwritten rules. This book, which I will make sure you get a copy of it. So in this book, I talk about the unwritten rules that exist everywhere. They permeate everywhere. There are just certain unwritten rules that you must abide by. For instance, never embarrass your boss. That's an unwritten rule. That's easy. But there are some other things that people don't think about. That if you want to have your own peace of mind, stop giving people a piece of your mind. And what I mean by that, people are so quick to let people know what they think. And sometimes you need to just pull it back, think about it, and think about what is the real message you want to give them. Is it the message that you want to hurt them, or is it the message you want them to change? That means how you deliver your message is differently. So when we talk about success from the West, I'm bringing those things that we really don't always know, especially as women and as people of color, because very often the rules were written by white men, well, unwritten. And it's not because they had the pen, it's because whoever is in power is the one who makes up the rules. It's almost like whoever has the ball, the bat and ball, they get to say, okay, here's my team and here are the rules for the day. So the game is not bad. It's just how we play the game that makes it what it is. If you were to give though, For example, just one single practice that you've brought on in your work that you've seen really working with companies as a whole, what would that practice be? So I cannot say I've seen one practice that's working very well within the company, 
when I talk about playing by the unwritten rules, there's one chapter that is my largest chapter, which is called Forgiveness and Letting Go. I think that is so important in corporations because I've met people, I was on a team um, working with this agency and they said, okay, as an outside independent consultant, we need you to form a team. So I got a couple of people and I said, okay, who else should we put on the team? And someone said, what about Mary? And someone said, that be, and I actually said the word. And I was like, what, what happened? She said, nine years ago, I worked on a program with her and she stole it from me. She carried that anger for nine years in that company. And it happens every day. Every day, someone is angry that they didn't get the promotion. They're angry that they were looked over. They're angry about their colleague maybe being the lead. It happens every day. What doesn't happen every day is that people forgive. People let it go. We carry that in our hearts for months and years. So I believe what's very important for corporations is to understand the mind. Because see, forgiveness and letting go is a mind action. It's not a physical thing. It's the mind. They're carrying it around in their heart and their mind. So it's very important that companies understand the importance of a whole person. When they show up, how are they showing up? And are we there to really help them through disappointments and so forth? Yeah, and they carry it in the mind, as you say, and the emotional charge is huge. And therapists within the companies and who understand the culture of the companies, who understand employee secrecy, who could be there to accompany the employees and the staff are going through these feelings of frustration and clear unhappiness would just dissolve these issues and allow for such a greater flow in the business as a result. You emphasize the mind, the body, and spirit connection, which is often not approached in corporations. Why is this so important to you? Because each one impacts the other. So if we go with the mind, the emotion, let's just say in an organization, you're not selected for a program, a project, or a promotion that they promised you. But for whatever reason they can't, it may be even a valid reason, but emotionally, you're feeling hurt. Emotionally, you may feel discounted. There's so many emotions tied up. There may even be shame because you told everyone in your family, I'm getting that promotion Friday. We're going to go out. So now you're feeling shame. So that emotion that is energy, remember, it's energy, it's your thoughts, will start affecting your body. You start getting a headache. Come Thursday, you have this headache. You can't understand. I've had this headache for a few days now. And then you start feeling tired. All these are the reaction, your body's reaction to your mind. Now, those are easy to see. Those are even easy to deal with. But when we talk about cancer, to heart disease, all those can be attributed to the mind. 
Research has shown they don't start in the body necessarily. It starts in the mind from stress. Stress is the worst thing. Back in October, I was so stressed that I broke out in hives as well as I started having liver problems. And when I went to the doctor, he pointed at a test that showed liver problems. And he said, are you under stress? I was like, yes. And he said, well, that's drink plenty of fluids, rest. He didn't give me medicine. He gave me a prescription of resting to heal my liver. Now, so that's the mind affecting the body. So if your body is drained, if your body is at this ease, it affects your spirit. Meaning, you heard the phrase, oh, she's in good spirit. That's the spirit of teamwork. Well, the spirit, by some definition, is the gut, the instinct, not just the soul. There's two different words of spirit, how it's used. One is soul, one is the gut instinct. I feel it in my spirit, right? So if you are not feeling well, your spirit cannot thrive in an unhealthy body. It just won't. So you see the mind-body-spirit connection is all one. So if someone coming into your workplace and they're ill, then that is going to affect their spirit. Their spirit is going to affect their mind. It all plays in together. It's a trinity. It really is. It is. As we step into our office and cut those parts of ourselves that are making us who we are and whole and that it be an illness. I've come upon many stories of colleagues going through cancer, notably, and having to deal with that illness and at the same time just void that part of themselves to just do what they had to do at work. And it's as if the workspace was just for getting the work done instead of being a place where one harbors humanity. And I know that these women would have so benefited from EI in the sense where had they been able to speak freely and in full confidentiality where necessary about all the feelings that they were having around their cancer, not knowing if they were going to ever be in remission one day. And that that would have propelled them on an emotional front, on a spiritual front, on a mind front to excel as best they could on the given days where they had to get their work done in the office. And I couldn't agree with you more. The trinity of mind, body, and spirit connection is one that is so powerful. What do you predict over the next few years based on your experience in HR in terms of performance management and as a business leader? So I think what companies must understand, one, we're going to have a talent war. We're already in a talent war for quality talent. And this is something people don't think about. 
when you have a physical illness and you go into remission, very often you can still have depression because you're wondering, is it going to happen again? And so if they don't have someone, let's say even the therapist, uh, having a the therapist on staff that they could just go talk to, now you're going to have women who are going to say, you know what, this is not for me. I'm going to start my own business. See, what companies don't understand is that these small businesses, companies their size are not their competitor. It's people who leave, start their own business to compete against them because they weren't valued there. And so companies, if you want to maintain profitability, you have to keep your top talent. To keep your top talent, you have to make a space where the whole person can show up. And when the whole person show up, and that person may have a bout of depression, or they may be angry, or they may be sad. You can't say, ignore her. As a matter of fact, let's just act like nothing's wrong. But yet, say to her, we have someone that you want to talk to. On the fifth floor, we have an office of therapists, counselors, coaches, who's here for the wholeness of you. We support you. But the problem with that, here's the problem. Companies will usher in new things and maybe set up something on the fifth floor and walk away. They don't support it enough to say, we need training on this. We need to get people to understand that we want you to go to the fifth floor. We don't just put up a shingle and say, hey, the fifth floor is there. And everyone's like, ooh, she went to the fifth floor. Like she's going to the principal office. No, we have to have a culture of embracing our wellness, especially mind wellness. And that if someone comes to you and say, have you thought about going to the fifth floor because I've noticed that you're coming in late and I've noticed that when you are here, you're not really here. I care about you, what's going on? And they may say, you know what? I think I'd rather go to the fifth floor. And we need to celebrate that. But it won't be effective, and this is what companies must know, like any change initiative. Change is quick. I want you to look on your desk quickly. I want you to do a little exercise. Find something on your desk and move it somewhere else. Just move it. And those of you who are listening, just move it. Now that was change. It's like that. How you feel about what you just moved is what takes time. You may even take that and put it back where it was because no one has told you, you know, it's great that you moved it there. And now that you moved it there, this is some things that you can do with it. And this is how you're feeling about that move. See, that's what has to happen. If we're going to have therapists on staff, on board, we have to let people understand the importance of it, that it's a part of our culture of healing and helping. If we don't do that, it's going to be like a lot of change initiatives that I've seen that fall away by the wayside and people say, see, I told you it wouldn't work because they didn't do the proper training. They didn't lay a foundation for it so that that change can take hold and be sustainable. Gosh, yeah, you're so right on. It's really the role of the leader, the president, the CEO, the managing director, the what have you, the person at the top leading the organization who has to walk his or her talk and demystify the issue around 
emotional wellness. It's not a disease. It's not a weakness. It's not your being unprofessional. It's your being human. If leaders could walk their talk and show their vulnerability, because that's okay to show your staff, you know what, today, this is what I'm going through and it's really hard and I just wanted to share it with you. Well, that breeds compassion. It breeds understanding and it breeds also that snowball effect where they themselves feel open and safe and okay to go ahead and say, you know what, I'm having a bad day too. It's just so ironic to me that in the 21st century world in which we live in, Dr. Indigo, that we're still having this discussion. Yes, it's amazing. I talk to people and they with so much pride will say, I have so many vacation or holidays but they'll go to work on a day that they're feeling miserable. For whatever reason, maybe they broke up with their significant other going through divorce and they are truly not in a good space. Use a day for wellness. Use a day to stay home, to take care of yourself. It's amazing. So I can't put it all on companies. Sometimes we don't take care of ourselves. Oh my God, yeah. Dr. Indigo, thank you so much for being on the show today and for putting your voice out there with vulnerability, honesty, and a hefty dose of power. I truly salute you. And I thank you for the work that you do. Dr. Indigo, where can people connect with you and continue to engage with you and these ideas? Yes, they can go to my website, www d-r-i-n-d-i-g-o.com. That's www.drindigo.com. And I welcome people to email me. Sometimes that's the fastest way. I don't try to disconnect myself from people. I really do allow people to reach out to me. So you can reach me at indigo at four hyphen d as in dog performance. That's indigo at 4-dperformance.com. Brilliant. So as we near the end of this amazing conversation, I would like to ask you this final question. And that would be, what most important piece of advice would you give our listeners who have a mental illness and who have to cope with it quietly on the work front because emotional inclusion in their company is not an option yet. Right. Definitely seek help. The reason why I, my illness escalated is because I was in denial and I didn't seek help, professional help. And it's almost like if you have a lump and you can see it, you can feel it, but you do nothing about it, it's going to escalate. Mental wellness is the same thing. If you notice something and other people notice something, reach out to someone, whether it's a therapist, a counselor, a psychiatrist, or someone like myself, I'm more of a bridge to them. I'm someone that meets with you, talk to you, and help you figure out what's going on to wrap your head around it. I'm even able to look at symptoms and give you an idea of what the diagnosis, I cannot diagnose, 
but based on my research and my work around this space, I'm able to pretty much look at symptoms and say, you're, you're having an anxiety attack, that's what's happening, and then refer you or recommend that you find someone in your area that can work with you that's a therapist or a counselor or even a psychiatrist. They're all different. And what specific advice would you have for them navigating their way at work? At work. So that's interesting. You really need to have someone that you can, what I call a wingman, someone that you can call. You can go into your room, your office, or your cubicle, give them a call to talk because there is a thing called talk therapy. It is so liberating to just be able to talk. If you can find someone at work that you can trust, and if you can't find someone at work that you can trust, something's wrong. You really need to have someone in your immediate work area or in your company that you can trust to say, can we grab coffee and talk? I did that with someone. And when I told them, it's like, oh, no, nothing's wrong with you, Indigo. And I'm thinking, yeah, there is. Well, she wasn't the right one. So find someone who will hear you, who will listen to you. When you say, I am really at my wit's end, I'm sad, and they will listen and say, I'm here for you. And listen, they don't have to give you advice. That's not what you're looking for. You just need someone to be able to listen. And that I really recommend in the workplace until EI is just a natural part of the organization, like going to HR. You have to be able to confide in someone. Yes, this is so good. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the Emotional Inclusion Podcast with me, both your professional and personal input on emotional inclusion in the workplace is fascinating. And spending time with you this morning has been truly inspiring. As you know, it's my mission to bring emotional inclusion in the workforce to the world. And I really hope that people will follow up, take the advice and stay engaged with what you do. Friends, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. And until next time, be bold and be brave. Thanks for listening to my conversation today. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to receive new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back for more. And in the meantime, you can check out emotionalinclusion.com slash the podcast.